Welcome to another edition of the Wellness Academy podcast. Rugby is an international phenomenon, boasting over 400 million fans across the world. The Men's Rugby Union World Cup is the third most popular sporting event in the world. Why? Well, it happens to be 80 minutes of concentrated agility, speed, and strength. Getting the ball across 100 meters of field to your opponent's goal line with complex balls requires attention to detail and an extreme amount of focus. We want to investigate the nutritional, mental, and physical demands of a rugby player, and most importantly, what health and wellness means to them. This is Sarah Gonsalves, and welcome to the Wellness Academy. As promised, we have Jacob Atkins, a 24-year-old fly half for the London Irish Premiership. The Premiership is a top league for rugby in England. The club was established over a century ago, and Jacob has two championships under his belt, and his team was runner-up for the Premier Cup in the 2021-2022 season. Hi, Jacob. We're so thrilled to have you here, and we're very curious to chat about the importance of nutrition to a professional athlete. Hey, Sarah. Thanks for having me on. I'm, uh, it's always exciting to sort of... Uh, think about the questions that you're going to ask me and sort of look at my own nutrition and my own routines from, you know, a different angle from having to think about answering questions and stuff. So it's, uh, you know, it's always fun to talk about performance and nutrition and health in, uh, in this kind of way. No, thank you so much. And, and that's the thing. Everybody's different, I think, in that, in that way and their nutritional habits. So thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. So, so you started playing for the London Irish in 2016, 2017, I believe. How yeah. long have you been playing rugby for? So I've been playing rugby since I was probably five or six years old. I'm kind of at that age in England where England won the World Cup in 2003. Johnny Wilkinson kicked a last minute drop goal to win the World Cup. And then off the back of that, any kid that was five, six, seven got taken down to their local rugby club to, to see what it was all about. You know, it was such a massive moment for rugby in the UK winning their first World Cup and such an iconic moment. And I think that's if for guys my age, that's definitely the story. A load of us would have had our, our first time down at a rugby club off the back of that. And then, you know, like you said, I, I signed my first professional contract in 2016, 17, which <laughs> seems like ages ago now. But before that, I would have been in the academy at London Irish for, you know, three years from when I was 15 years old. So I've, I've been with the club for a really long time now. That sounds like an exciting time to sort of be coming off that high and then starting your career. I, I'm completely amazed. So I actually watched a few of your highlights, your conversions, uh, as, well as, as well as your try points. You're incredibly impressive, just to let you know. I'm sure you know, since you're in the premiership. Uh, what I was impressed with is it's also such an intense sport uh, with such a high energy demand. It looks like, you know, you have to have a strong focus, you know, not only on performance, but it seems that you have like a lot of mental acuity, especially as a fly half. Um, and then also, I just I found like the noise going on around you is so lively. So when you get on the field, what are you thinking about and what's the most important thing to you um, when you're playing? I guess, you know, rugby is a unique team sport. You know, obviously all team sports have different positions and, and each position has different demands and, and requirements, both physically and mentally. But Rugby, I think that's really, really polarized between the demands of the different positions, like, like I said, physically and mentally. Um, for me, um, 
without wanting to use sort of a lazy comparison, that the position I play for, for an, like a North American audience would be similar to the quarterback in that you're calling the plays, you're sort of leading the attacking shape, you're, you're making a lot of the commands to the other players around you and, and sort of tactically your role is very significant. A lot of it is focused on decision making and organisation. So it's it's kind of a, a strange contrast sometimes in the game in the changing room before a game because you're about to go into this you know incredibly physical full contact sport um, and everybody else is getting themselves you know g'd up and smashing a load of caffeine and getting themselves ready to to run through walls and then there's me and the other guys playing my position who are you know calming our breathing down trying to slow our heart rate down going over our notes going over the playbooks having conversations with the coaches. And for me, the, the sort of, yeah, I'm sure I'll, I'll say this a lot in, in uh, the course of the podcast, you know, whatever we talk about, but for me, the balance is a massive thing and trying to strike the balance between getting myself physically excited enough that I can go and hit someone and make a tackle, but also being calm and relaxed enough that I can execute my skills and, and make good decisions under pressure and, and communicate effectively with my teammates. So it's, it's tr- trying to strike that balance is what I'm looking for at kickoff for, for any game. That's amazing. I think it's interesting Like you take a little bit of caffeine, but then also trying to relax after that. What do you do to relax after taking caffeine? So for me, like I, there's a very sort of like specific window of caffeine I want to be in, which is that I want to be enough caffeine, especially like a, a lot of our games at the evening kickoff under light. I want enough caffeine that I kind of feel alert and like, you know, I kind of get the performance benefits of the caffeine. So, you know, you know helping with um, sort of like reducing feelings of fatigue and making me feel more alert. But, you know, I don't want twitchy hands. I don't want to feel my heart rate. I don't want to be excited because for me, if my hands are shaking, I can't do my job properly. Whereas for some other guys whose job is literally just to leather people, you know, they don't care if their hands are shaking because they don't need them. I would be really specific with how much caffeine I take and when I time it. I, you know, and, and there is a window. And I think that's great that you've done the research on when you can take caffeine, especially before enough. Are, are there any other supplements that you take that besides caffeine? Me personally, no. Mm-hmm. There's, there's loads of stuff on offer. Um, you know, we, we, have, uh, we have a nutritionist, we have a sports scientist, and we've got multiple strength and conditioning coaches who are obviously also in charge of dis- distributing supplements and, and before a game they're very understanding that everybody at this level has developed their own process their own routine and, and knows what they like so their job is kind of just to facilitate what you want so they'll offer you caffeine they'll offer you different t- kinds of caffeine so there's always caffeine gum available um there's always sort of like longer caffeine oh, i call them longer caffeine drinks so like coffee or red bull or uh, even like isotonics with caffeine and then there's shorter caffeine options for the guys that don't want loads of fluids in their body so the, the sort of um, caffeine shots that are sort of 250 milligram in a shot and, and it's just about picking up what you want out, uh, out of that some of the guys will take creatine before a game um, just through habit because that's what they take before training every day so it's just, it's just about routine uh, I think there's beta-alanine for guys that want that for me that would that would be too much and then, you know, sort of various other pre-workouts, all kind of similar fitting into that, that similar category of like a, like a light stimulant. Right. And then maybe the beta alanine for the guys who are taking probably a few more hits and, and don't want to yeah, necessarily yeah, feel the fatigue me. as well. Yeah, not for you necessarily. No, not for me. So, and, and I'm curious, so, you know, you, you take caffeine now, it has your nutritional requirements changed since you first started playing? Like, was that something that you've always known um, to take or have they, has, has it evolved over time? I think absolutely. Like any, any player, even in your professional career, sort of the, the period that you're a professional player, I think your nutrition evolves and changes as, as one, you, you, you get older and your requirements change from your nutrition, but also just as you figure out 
what it is you like and what works for you. You know, a lot of finding a process that works for you in terms of anything you're, as a professional, you're, you're, whether it's your, your preparation, you know, your training, your performance, or your, your nutrition and your diet. It, it, there's a lot of trial and error involved, and early on you make mistakes and <laughs> you find stuff that doesn't work so well for you, and, and you trial things in training, and you know, that some of them work, some of them you get rid of. Nutritionists come in, give you ideas, you try, you take this way. They leave, another nutritionist comes in. So it's, it's like a, a constantly evolving process, especially when you're really young. Um, I think for, for me, my sort of like diet and nutrition, and, and you know, when I say diet and nutrition, I would be including everything in that. You know, that's what I'm eating, my hydration, supplements I'm taking. If I'm taking any uh, drugs at that point, you know, like caffeine or anti-inflammatories or, or uh, pain relief for, for injuries or anything, I'd kind of split that into categories I've gone through through my career. I think when I was really young, I probably didn't care about it at all or, or not not care is the wrong word but wouldn't have really known what I was doing and I wouldn't have concentrated a lot on it really early in my career it would have been massively focused on maintaining my body weight like naturally I'm super super skinny um and, and one of the, my biggest things was trying to keep and maintain body weight you know when you're burning so many calories in such a physical program and such a physical sport that really early on in my career was a massive goal for me coming out of school was just to try and maintain and gain body weight and now i'm you know, i'm 24 years old now i've, I've kind of hit a, a fighting weight that um as the sort of snc coaches will call it that they're happy with me at now I'm kind of transitioning into a thing where I'm just trying to maintain that body weight, stay at it, and, and maybe sort of clean up my diet a bit. You know, obviously, when you're an 18, 19-year-old burning, you know, so many calories a day, and you're getting told to hit 4,000, 4,500 calories, you, you are just consuming nutrient-dense foods and, and kind, of, kind of getting in greens in that way you can because you, your stomach space is limited. and You just need to get enough calories in. Now I'm kind of moving to that where I can knock down my calories and start to look at making sure I'm getting them from better sources, getting more vegetables, more better vitamins in, better quality meats and stuff, as opposed to literally just smash your protein, smash your calories so that your body weight stays the same. I know. I find that incredibly fascinating. So when you said you were, you know, trying to gain weight, was it, were you just reaching for carbs or like, was it protein mainly? Or how did you, did you try to balance it with like food or were you, Um, you know, scooping back protein or sorry, I guess carbohydrates, like just out of curiosity. Um, I, I've been really lucky in my career. I've worked with nutritionists who, you know, you know fantastic academics and I've read a huge amount of information, but I've always had to focus on making it athlete-centered. So, you know, they may say the research suggests this, but you're an individual person and you have your own individual needs. And if you think this works, then we'll try and go down that avenue because that's long-term going to be more successful and more sustainable for you. And basically, when, you, when you're first getting into that process of trying to maintain your body weight, um, we looked at some sort of diets of like uh, rowers and cyclists and like those Olympians who are, you know, you get them onto the Michael Phelps diet kind of thing. That's obviously like a hyper extreme version when he's consuming eight, 9,000 calories a day. But, you know, if, if you're a 17, 18 year old boy and you have limited space in your stomach and, you know, I, I don't have a big appetite, it really was a case of initially the nutritionist being like, well, what foods do you like? because you're going to enjoy eating them to a certain extent because you don't enjoy eating that many calories, but it's going to be more sustainable for you and, and you're going to get used to eating more because that's one of the main things initially is you have to just get used to consuming that amount of food and then sort of slowly tailoring it away. Okay, now we can start thinking about, you know, making sure we're getting good quality carbs as opposed to like loads of sugars or getting, uh, you know, better sources of uh, protein, et cetera. But, you know, initially it really is just nutrient dense foods. Um, you know, constantly I'd have, if I was in the gym, I'd, you know, I wouldn't be drinking water in the gym. I'd have 
a shake from someone and I'd constantly have a coach put in like a, like a nut bar or like a, like a protein bar in my hand just to constantly be grazing on stuff. <laughs> so you didn't have to consume it all at once. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that makes it, sense. Exactly. So- it was just like constant eating rather than actually having meals because right. it, it was just, it basically it was easier to just constantly graze rather than, than have big meals for me. But I certainly, you know, wasn't targeting specific macros at that point even, you know, that was just like volume of food. And my only goal was to hit my calories. They were like, yeah. if you hit, you know, whatever it was, 3,900 calories when I was that age, that's your goal for the day. That's literally yeah. it. And then that's when I was consistently hitting that, then it would be, okay, hit your protein and, and your calories. And then consistently hit my protein, okay, hit your carbs and your protein and your calories. And so, I, I mean, I, I found it interesting that you said like the science, you know, they're, they're really involved in the science of it and that's always changing, which I, I, I think is interesting. I'm sure they like change things over time, even though you're aging and, you know, they're trying to manage your calorie intake outtake and, and trying to clean up your diet. I think there's also, you know, new methods coming out all the time. I'm sure they're, they're changing on you. So you mentioned as well, like they were getting you to eat just foods you liked. So is on season Jacob different than off season or because you're the preference? athlete you know you have to constantly be mindful like i said now i'm at a weight that i'm happy with i I am thinking more about you know timing my carbohydrates and that that for me would be the the big thing that would change between the on season and the off season is i would kind of think okay you know when am i going to have my carbohydrates like timing that source and and when that comes in um Mm -hmm. our off seasons are just to quickly explain is we get five weeks off we get two weeks of absolute rest after the end of the season. So that's two weeks of like, that's when you like go on holiday and, you know, that's when boys try and plan weddings and stuff like that because that's, you don't have to do anything. That's absolute rest. We then have three weeks of return, like a return to running program. So it is optional because the club is not allowed to make you do any activity during your off season. They're not allowed to force you to do anything. But it's not really optional if you don't want to get injured your first week back in preseason. Right. So and you, you have to stay in shape. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. You've got to stay in shape. And, and the big thing is injury prevention. You know, our preseason starts day one tough. So if you come in and you've not run for five weeks and you've put on a bit of weight, like you're going to pull a hamstring week one and you're going to miss the first block of preseason. And then people are going to be angry at you. So it's a, it's a sort of slow three weeks of building yourself back into the running volumes you're expected to do week one of preseason. So the first week is you start building in some speed drills and running. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. You know, I don't, I'm not going to explain the whole the whole program. No, no, no. That's boring. fine. <laughs> but for those first two weeks, I li- I wouldn't think about my diet at all. You know, I'd go on holiday. I've just come back from Italy. I'd eat whatever I want, literally whatever I want. Yeah, the, for sure. I was going to say though. Back in. Yeah, no, no, only two weeks of the fifty are are not very long though. So. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. But you know, I'm lucky. My my diet's not sort of like really really strict throughout the year, just purely because I'm burning a lot of calories and and uh, you know i'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll go on to speak about it in the season and stuff which it's more about the timing of stuff that changes so, so in that in that, that running block as i'm coming back into training that would be then right okay i'm going to target this with a big carb meal because i know i've got you know some extended meters tomorrow you know i need to go high protein today so i'm lifting i need to recover blah, 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 blah. but um that would be the main difference other than that my diet's not that different between the season and the off season my diet's pretty good like i said you, I'm, I'm not greedy i don't have a big appetite like a huge appetite anyway i'm not you know even if i wasn't pressure athlete i wouldn't be smashing junk food and just because it's not what i enjoy eating and it makes me feel like gross it's pretty similar it's pretty similar but you know for, for some guys it would be like they would fall off the wagon in the off season <laughs> come in massive yeah. and other guys would use the off season to get in really good shape and they'd go really lean in the off season 
it's all about that I for you, like you mentioned before, that balance. So I think that's that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, um, sure. So we ask all our guests this, and it's it's really the core of the podcast. So we'd love to know what does health and wellness mean to you? Well, I think you just smashed it there, like with what you just said. It is for me like balance is such a massive thing. Um, you know that when I'm thinking about my performance, my overall performance, it has two big aspects. Obviously, one is physical. Uh, I think that would include my diet and uh, the shape my body's in, and literally everything that physically prepares my body to play. And then the other one would be psychological, and they're equally as important as each other. And striking the balance between the two is is basically all I'm looking to achieve from my performance and from my well, my wellness, if you will. And like you said, I've gone through stages where I've been like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to drink any alcohol. I'm never going to drink alcohol. I'm going to be super professional. And, and then, you know, psychologically, it, it has its effects. I'm, I'm not as, don't have that same escapism, maybe become, you know, it's too kind of focused on training, lose some enjoyment from your outside life and, and you lose that kind of good times with your friends and everything can become too much and then you don't cope with pressure as well. Vice versa, I've, you know, definitely gone through times when I've not focused on my diet enough at all and felt like rubbish on the pitch. So I'm, for, for me, like health and wellness would always just mean striking balance between those two things, like my physical prep and my psychological prep and just trying to find that happy medium so that I go out on the field in a good place, you know, mentally, I, I feel like I'm, I'm excited to play. I've, I've prepared well, but also physically, you know, my body's in good shape. I love that definition. And I love the word. I like that you've, you've struck, I guess, like a great balance between the two and, and understanding. I'm sure that was an evolution as well. As you mentioned, just going from one extreme to another and then realizing that you needed to sit somewhere in the middle. And actually, I had talked on the previous episode just about like for me, health and wellness meant, you know, really disease prevention, but that there's so many other elements and it's it's just different for everybody. And I think that's the big component we we want to bring to the table. Absolutely. And Jacob, I'm not sure if you have any last words you wanted to end the podcast with. No, no, no. Just like I said, uh, like I said in the introduction, like thanks for having me on. It's always uh, it's always fun to talk about performance and sort of but actually think a bit deeper about my own things. You know, you get into the routine of doing stuff day to day and sometimes you forget to actually question and, and think about why you're doing things. So it is nice to sort of pick my own brains, if you will, and, and think about why I do certain things the, the way that I do them. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Please note that the content of the podcast should not be taken as medical, legal, or financial advice. The Wellness Academy for the Mind, Body, and Soul is a podcast focused on keeping you connected to the latest trends, application developments, and scientific advancements in the well-being space. If you liked where this was going and want to listen to more, hit subscribe or learn more about the Wellness Academy, access to our white papers, consumer insights, and more. Please visit our homepage at discover.universesolutions.com and use the search bar in the top left to search for the Wellness Academy or follow us on our LinkedIn page at Universe Solutions Nutraceuticals. Thank you for listening and join us next time. The Wellness Academy is part of the Universe Solutions Podcast Network. Mm-hmm.